Hey guys, this is Greg Costa, and I'd like to welcome you to the Black Sheep Experience. Thank you so much, man, for hanging out with me on the podcast. I deeply appreciate your presence here. So yeah, man, uh, really sincerely thank you for hanging out, man. I have a really great uh, program today. A wonderful guest, a guy by the name of Nicholas Pearson. Now, I was first introduced to Nicholas through the Gaia channel. He was a guest on uh, one of the programs, and I absolutely fell in love with his uh, wisdom and with the knowledge, the, the incredible knowledge that he, that he has on the subject of crystals. It's a fascinating subject. It's a much more powerful practice than I ever would have imagined. And uh, so, yeah, I, I'm so, I was so honored to be able to get him on the podcast and have him share just this intense wealth of information. He's been working and teaching about crystals for a couple of decades now. He's been on several television programs, podcasts. He's got a, a lot of books out there. I found all of them on Amazon. Um, one of his more popular is called The Seven Archetypal Stones. Uh, Crystals for Karmic Healing is also one of his popular works. I fell in love with a book called Crystal Basics. It's an amazing book. It's an absolute encyclopedia of information. I mean, it's incredible how much information he packs into that book. Um, and it's all about crystals, but it, he also has uh, chapters in there about energy and how energy works and the science behind it. And I think that this is one of those books, Crystal Basics by Nicholas Pearson. It's one of those must-have books. Um, really, I, I, I can't recommend it enough. Uh, so I would highly encourage you to jump on Amazon and grab that book. Now, if you want to connect with Nicholas Pearson, which I think you will after you hear the, the conversation, uh, I know he's very active on Instagram. I follow him there under the Luminous Pearl. That's how you'd find Nicholas Pearson. Um, and also you can connect with him through his website, which is theluminouspearl.com. So... You know, he is a just a wonderful, truly wonderful human being. And honestly, there's just there's just not enough of those, it seems like to me. So I was really honored to have him on. And this is one of those podcasts that's it's kind of an honor to bring to you. Um, because the information is so great. The quality of the individual is just wonderful. And so I'm always happy. I really feel like I'm bringing something to the world, really, um, when I have one of these types of podcasts. So I think you're really going to enjoy Nicholas Pearson, and I, I can't encourage you enough to jump into this and enjoy the subject. And then again, if you feel like exploring more about it, connect with him and grab that book, Crystal Basics. I think you'll really love it. Um, quick, quick thing. The first three to four, maybe five minutes, the audio isn't great. I'm not really sure what happened, and I've done my best to try and fix it, but it's still not stellar, that's for sure. But after that four or five minutes, it, it clears up, right? It becomes just uh, uh, crystal clear. <laughs> oh, nice. It, it becomes uh, very clear, and it and, and it's perfect after that. But So just kind of hang with that first three or four minutes if you would and, and know that the entire podcast isn't like that. I apologize. Every once in a while there is a, some kind of a weird sound thing and I will have to get that figured out. Hey, if you don't follow the Black Sheep Experience on Facebook, 
uh, or Instagram, would you please do that? Um, connect with me on those on those social media platforms. Let me know that you're there. Send me a DM, a comment on a post, whatever. But uh, I would really love to connect uh, with you guys. Okay. All right, man. That's it. Let's jump into the conversation with Nicholas Pearson. Hey everybody, thanks for joining me here at the Black Cube Experience. I appreciate you hanging out with me on the podcast. Um, as mentioned, I have a really great guest coming on today. Um, someone who uh, I, I feel like is just really an expert in a field that I am very interested in but don't know a lot about, and that is the use of crystals. And so my guest um, with me today is an author. He's a, a certified Reiki teacher. Uh, he's written several books, um, one called Crystal Healing for the Heart, uh, The Seven Archetypal Stones, uh, Crystal Basics, and he's got several more. I found a ton, uh, at least a good six of them, I think, on Amazon. And um, welcome to the podcast, Nicholas Pearson. Thanks for joining me. Thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure to be here with you today. Let's talk about... The, the book Crystal Basics is so great, and, and in it you talk about the fact that crystals, are, their energy is, I guess, more organized, and it, and it helps to organize maybe some of the chaotic energy around us. I'm probably not wording that correctly, but can we kind of talk a little bit about what their role can be in our life? Part of that is due to what science and medicine might call a uh, mental affect, essentially. 
deviates from that blueprint. If we have a piece of quartz, it is always silicon dioxide that's alpha stage. If we have a piece of calcite, it is always calcium carbonate, and it's always made of those same ingredients arranged in the same order, and therefore it produces this very regular energy field. When we introduce that amount of regularity and order and coherence to our own energy field, it teaches us how to do very much the same thing and become more orderly ourselves. And if it happens in the immaterial sense, if it happens in the electromagnetic field around the body, then that eventually kind of steps its way down into uh, our, our pathology. If, if we have a, a more orderly electromagnetic field, it can balance and improve our, our mood, our perception, our mental affect. That in turn changes the kinds of neurotransmitters, both the chemical and the electronic kinds of signals going through the body. And that ultimately changes our pathology. Yeah, so, you know, what's, what's I, I guess is also interesting to me is that when we talk about crystals, and, and obviously you have so many different kinds and, and, and shapes and everything, uh, from, uh, um, say, a rose quartz to a um, uh, selenite or something, and then you have spheres and eggs and wands and all kinds of... So all those things make a difference, the shapes, and, and let's talk a little bit about some of that. that are crystalline. They, they demonstrate some some high-level functions that are universal to all crystalline things, things like bringing coherence or harmonization to energies and patterns, uh, storing information or energy, translating or transducing information or energy. There's, we, we could go on. Um, but the, the thing that separates one another, one, one mineral, like you know, selenite or rose quartz, is going to be the individual components of it, its, its um, ingredients, the chemical composition, the crystal structure, and that's on a molecular level, how those internal uh, components of, of atoms, ions, and molecules are arranged, what is their, their range of symmetry, what is the, the geometric that repeats within it, and then also the formation process. So those, those three parts are the biggest parts of the puzzle. To a lesser extent, the hardness of a mineral, the way it interacts with light, um, color, and, and other, other optical, physical, chemical properties are going to influence a crystal's energy. So at, at that level, if we're kind of interpreting how crystals work through that lens, um, external form, what, what shape it comes to us in is fairly secondary to the rest of the stuff, but it, it does affect it. You know, if we've got a, a, a beautiful, flawless piece of quartz and it's polished into a sphere, and we have another one that is equally matched in terms of its size and its clarity and, and everything else, but it's in a different shape, let's say a, a crystal point, one of those objects has a sort of soft radiating energy field around it with no no strong directionality and the other one definitely feels like it's got that sort of directional presence that point that way of focusing energy in one spot one is not inherently better than the other it's it's the same song we could say but played through two different speakers we might perceive the music in a slightly different way and that's kind of what happens when we have uh, stones in different shapes it's just a different way of distributing the same energy mm, okay yeah, that's interesting because, you know, um, I think for a lot of people, I know for myself, there there's a natural draw to 
crystals and really I think a variety of different types of energy and so for a lot of people that are listening um, a lot of my audience is um, I, I don't know if I'd call them post-Christian but certainly post-evangelical and so they're in a place of exploration and something like crystals would be really new to them and there may be a a sense of ominence there um, and certainly it's a vast field right there's a lot of things to learn about it but one of the ways of selecting or beginning the process is um, intuitively I, I'm assuming so let, let's say you walk into a, a shop a crystal a place that sells crystals um, how would you go about selecting one educationally or would you allow the draw um, something that you're drawn to be part of that guide I think supposing that we're new to the world of crystals and we're just kind of getting our feet wet, um, it's it's very easy to flip through a book or go online or find some memes that describe what, what stones do. And we have to remind ourselves that the more we read, the more we need every single stone because they all sound like they do something great because <laughs> essentially they do. But where where is the resonance where is the attraction so i think far better than starting out with that prescriptive kind of mindset oh i want to heal this chakra or i've got this thing i want to manifest in my life when we're just beginning see what draws you in find find the stones that make your heart sing and for some people that means that they might be attracted to color or the feel of it in the hand or the the way it looks or maybe it's just some sort of internal knowing this is absolutely the right stone a lot of crystal stores will have um, like a you know, short description of what it does, but if you think of that as like a, a resume, we can't tell someone's entire life story on that resume. And you know, if you apply to two different jobs, you might even present two very different kinds of resumes, uh, depending on the nature of the the work at hand. So it's the same thing in those shops. We can't tell the whole story on that little card or even in a book. So start with what feels good. Um, a resume is great, but you don't really know if someone's the right fit for a job until you sit down and interview them. And that's, that's in, in the crystal experience, it's sitting down to experience the stone, getting to know its energy. So start with what calls to you and, and move from there. I think you'll be pleasantly surprised in most cases that the stones you feel most attracted to tend to be the ones most relevant to your life. Mm. Yeah, you know, it's, it is interesting. Um, <laughs> I One of the first stones I bought was a, a, I think it's a green calcite sphere. And uh, believe it or not, I still don't know exactly what the exact properties of that are, as, as silly as that may sound. And, and I've had it for a few years now. But um, it is something that still just deeply resonates with me and uh, brings a sense of peace or a sense of calm when maybe the, the world around me is uh, turbulent, you know, and, and so I, I have found, and I, I think in some of our, some of our exchanges, I mentioned, um, rose quartz. And, and so if you read books and granted, I'm coming into some of the, of this information new, but it, it's often talked of as a feminine stone. Um, but to me, it just has such a, a sense of love to it. And I, I know that may sound strange to some people, but they do in some ways. Uh, they are sentient or conscious in, in some regard. Would you say that's a fair statement? I think it is. But I would say the same thing about everything in the universe. Stars have a personality. The air that we breathe has life in it. The soil beneath us is, is 
vessel of consciousness too. And that's, that's my relationship with the world around me as sort of, um, we'll, we'll say that, um, I like to view the divine creator, source, God, however we view that as, as imminent, as within creation rather than outside of it. Mm-hmm. So any, any part, any parcel of, of the universe contains a seed for the whole thing. And that means that we all have life within us, not, not just us living, breathing, talking human beings here, but you know, this, the stones that we work with have a sort of life. And if we watch the organizational principles that are responsible for how they form, how they appear to grow in their environment. It is very reminiscent of the way um, the the building blocks of proteins come together in our cells, the way DNA and RNA is is made and replicated and shared as as cells divide. Um, there, There certainly is a strong case that what they call the last universal common ancestor, the 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 organism responsible for seeding all of life on Earth actually arose from the mineral kingdom, probably from clays that collided into each other um, and created some organic compounds that found a way to copy themselves and create more organic compounds that eventually led to like a prototype of, of genetic material. So in, in some way, you know, when we talk about the, the very universal kind of scriptural idea that we are made from the earth, we are made of dust, we are made of clay, something we find in many religious teachings around the world, we we really are. We come from the earth itself. And so if we have life in us, the earth itself must also. Yeah, I I can't remember who it it may have been. It's a Buddhist thought, but basically the idea is... um, stop searching for nirvana and understand that you are nirvana um yeah yeah that they that you know we are the connected to what is peaceful we are connected to what is creation and it's all within us and without us at the same time and so i love what you said there about god being really um a part of all all of this creation instead of separated from it it takes a little bit of trust especially depending on where you've come from the the big the big um and it was always this way for me the the hardest parts of my past faith walk were a god that could send us to hell and i don't want to get into a conversation about that but i could never i could never buy into that and then just the idea that the earth was somehow expendable or separate from us when all of my life prior to my what i would call conversion um, and I know for some it sounds maybe silly, but it, it was almost as if different trees and plants and, and even stars, like you've said, had a way of communicating to me, not audibly, obviously, but, but in an energetic way that almost gave them their own personality. And so the launch to crystals for me was very, very natural. Now, there's a ton of stuff to learn. That's what I loved about your book. Um, it's a it's a it's a massive book. I mean, there's so much information in there, but it's structured in a way that I think a novice could um, really dive in there and begin to learn. So, was that kind of the intention whenever you sought out to create this? It really was. Thank you for that observation. I. I wrote my first book for me. That was the Seven Archetypal Stones. It is dense. It's full of these abstract ideas. It's a very deep journey with just seven rocks. But 
it's not for everybody and it's while I like to think I write accessibly and I ground things in an experiential kind of way. Every book of mine is full of practices that anyone can engage in and they're often very simple. Um, so I, I try to make everything available to beginners. But after uh, a few years of seeing how people responded to the book and other books that came from it and, and working in this field for quite a long time, I really wanted to make a manual that had everything in one place that was more than just a, a dictionary of crystal properties, more than just, um, you know, carry this stone for that problem in your life. I wanted to show people how they could figure out what crystals do and how to safely, effectively, and um, intelligently harness that energy in creative ways. So Crystal Basics is, is part A to Z guide, part how-to, part theory, um, and it, it really is something that I, I wrote because I, I want everyone to be able to find the right stone for the right situation according to their own personal needs rather than just reading something in a book and going, okay, well, so-and-so says I need blank. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, as we, um, whenever I look through the book and I know that there's, so you talk about how everything is basically energy and, um, how crystals relate to the human body. And you, you also have a section in there where you talk about we're literally made of crystals. Can you, can you expound on that a little bit? Oh, totally. Yeah. <laughs> um, this was, this was kind of like eye opening to me when I started my, my journey into the science of how crystals might work. There's a sort of model we talked about through the electromagnetic field and how that, essentially becomes more crystalline, it becomes more coherent when we work with stones. But there's also an affinity between the crystals around us and the crystalline components within us. Uh, one of my biggest influences was um, a research scientist by the name of Marcel Vogel. And although I never had the opportunity to, to meet Vogel in real life, I've, I've met his successor, I've met other students of his. Um, his work has had this really deep impact and he is the father of all liquid crystal displays that we use in technology. He, he and his team developed them at IBM. And so he had a really intimate knowledge of liquid crystals. In fact, he coined the expression liquid crystal mesophase, the state of matter between a liquid and a solid crystal. And our body is full of these liquid crystals. Um, first and foremost, we are more than anything, we are water. And water in its ideal state is structured. It has order to it. It is a liquid crystal in some regards. And so for every cell of our body to be healthy and functional, it's full of these um, organized masses of water that behave in ways that are at sometimes kind of crystalline and at sometimes very, very liquid. And that's only you know one of many ingredients in, in a cell that is crystalline. We have um, calcium phosphate. We actually have appetite crystals that offer structure to our bones. The collagen fibers in our connective tissues are um, quasi-crystals. We have things like the uh, lipoproteins and the cell membranes that behave as um, semi-crystals. We have got our, our DNA itself, which behaves in very crystalline ways. So we're full of all of these substances that are not too far removed from crystals. And so, in a sense, if we understand how crystals work in, in the healing world, if we understand how 
and why they have their properties in terms of, um, we'll say, transmitting and, and receiving energies and translating energies and uh, making things more coherent and amplifying things. Our bodies can do all of these same things because we are fundamentally crystalline beings. Mm. So conduits or uh, for this energy, I guess, or we have accessibility to it and we can organize it in some fashion or some sense. And crystals basically help with that process. Is that, is that kind of where they come into play, into practice? Yes. We, we might say that crystals are catalysts for the healing process or for whatever other practice we've got with stones. And uh, a catalyst by its very nature is a, a substance or a pattern that reduces the amount of effort or energy required to achieve whatever the desired outcome might be. So in, in our digestive system, we have enzymes that help break down food. That is a catalyst for the digestive process. In our spiritual sense, crystals are almost like the, the enzymes that break down the obstacles in life, that break down the mental patterns we carry that help uh, us move farther along the, the road toward wholeness, whatever that's going to look like for us, whatever the goal is we're working on or whatever the secret is we're trying to achieve, crystals help catalyze that reaction. Okay, so let's, let's um, put a little bit of science to that. Tell me in a practical way what that would look like. So if I sit down to, let's say, meditate, with a with a crystal what would the expectation or what would what would transpire in a moment such as that i mean fundamentally i think the the thing we can map the things we we can back up with science are going to be the things related to um, the mind to perception to mental affect and we understand science and, and medicine are beginning to I mean more than beginning uh, illustrate the ways that impacts our well-being in, in every sense of who and what we are so if we are having that quiet meditative moment with crystals um, one thing that we're more than likely going to see happen is coherence between um, brain waves and heart waves. Mm. We're going to see cohere a more coherent breathing that will take place. I mean, just watch anyone meditating with or without a tool. And, and these are things that we expect to happen and things that the right equipment hooked up to you are, are definitely going to see. If you have even more sensitive stuff like a, a superconducting quantum interference device, a squid, they call it, you're going to be able to measure even even more subtle changes to our electromagnetic field. And while these are studies that maybe haven't been conducted in depth with crystals, there, there are a few kind of um, scientific studies that have been done. Um, one of them was conducted in the, I want to say, 70s or 80s um, by a medical doctor. His name was C. Norman Sheely. And... Um, he measured the efficacy of crystals in um, the mental well-being of patients with anxiety and depression disorders. Mm. And in, a, in addition to a control group, he actually used uh, a placebo group with cut glass cut into the same shape as natural quartz crystals. And he had everyone engage with the, the same practices in the placebo group and the regular group. And it involved um, breathing and meditation. And of course, everyone who engaged in those practices got better. But when the study ended and they checked in um, some time after it ended. 
only the group that had actual quartz continued to show a statistical improvement um, in, in their mental well-being. The placebo group that had been doing the exercises with class had no lasting changes in their lives, no lasting changes in their um, mental well-being. So I think there, there are seeds here for how science can, can illustrate exactly what happens when we work with stones. Um, but no, no good quality study has ever been produced and peer-reviewed to date. But essentially what's happening is as we become more coherent, on a mental and emotional level. We're obviously doing the same on a spiritual level. We just can't measure that quite yet. It, it influences every part of us, our body, our mind, our spirit. They come into harmony. And as that happens, we've got the ability to create really long-lasting change in the psyche, in the spirit, and in the body. Mm. Yeah, so um, I, I think science is, is interesting. I think it's important, especially um, as I expand and um I, i've seen scientific studies on um quantum physics on e even um what what i might call magic um and so i think that some of those things are completely valid but also i, I would never want to undermine just the personal experience totally. yeah and, and so i think that that's really important too if something brings you peace i don't think you need to have science to to back that up you know you just it brings me peace science is great though don't don't get me wrong so here's a little bit more of a selfish question because i've been diving into this what, what's a great crystal for causing that heart mind coherence mm. my absolute favorite for this is lapis lazuli mm. and it is a metamorphic rock it's not a, a single mineral but an aggregate of several it forms in the alteration of certain kinds of like limestone and, and calcium rich stuff. Um, and it produces this beautiful blue stone with veins of uh, white calcite swirling through it and little flecks of golden pyrite. So it, it almost looks like the night star, night sky speckled with stars. It's just a, a beautiful stone. Um, one of its primary uh, missions, we'll say, is to help unify the heart and the mind and get us into that state of complete self-mastery because we've removed this imaginary wall between the two. And that's a, a very Western thing to have in, um, in a, a lot of other parts of the world. Heart and mind are, are more or less synonymous. If you go to Japan, for example, there is one word that means both of those things. You, you mm. say kokoro and it, it means your heart, but it also means your head. Um, not in a, a literal anatomical sense, but in a you know, metaphorical, psychological sense. What someone thinks and what they feel aren't necessarily the function of different parts of the psyche. They are, they are you know, fundamental to your, your very nature, your essence. And what lapis does is it helps us get into that space where our heart and our mind are not in separate boxes and shelves that when we pull one down at a time to assess what's happening, that's a great source of we'll say, inner conflict for a lot of Western people. Mm. But it helps us achieve a state of self-reflection where we, we see the innate unity. And the beautiful thing is when we achieve that internal unity, we have a tendency to experience it in the world around us as well. We, if we see ourselves as indivisible within, we tend to experience ourselves as indivisible from source, indivisible from the universe, from nature, from our fellow humankind. Mm, yeah, that's great. I, so, 
I, you know, and I know that the shapes and size and all those things matter, but could somebody, I have some lapis, I mean, but I, I think they're more like tumble stones. So that's just a smaller stone. But could, could somebody use several of those um, in that work? Absolutely. Start, start with the tools that you've got. Um, it's, it's very easy to um, rack up a, a, an expensive collection. If, if money were no object, we'd all have you know, high-end gemstones and museum-quality minerals in our toolboxes. But there's a reason tumbled stones and, and small rough pieces are the majority of crystal sales on the market. It's because it's accessible. So start with what you've got. Um, if we if we want to look at quality in terms of the influence of crystals, uh, I would say it kind of correlates to um, you know the, the higher quality a stone is, maybe the more laser-like its effect. Um, maybe something that is uh, a little less perfected has a more diffuse energy, mm. and that's not necessarily good or bad. It's it's just the way it is. Some jobs are better done with diffuse energy than than a laser like focus. Um, lapis is a great example for me. The first time I got a really, really high-end um, lapis tool to work with and tried to have it on me at all times, it was almost overbearing. There was there was something almost cold and aloof about it because I was more inside myself than I was in the world around me. And it was something I had to kind of build up a tolerance to to come into um, a better relationship with the stone so I could also function in my normal life and not be weird <laughs> at work. <laughs> Yeah. So um, one of the things you talk about is journeying with your with your crystals. And um, so, so a good place to start here is you go to a, a store, select one that really speaks to you, um, and then maybe, you know, get some reference on what some of its qualities are. But then after that, how does somebody kind of begin to work with and get to know an individual stone? My favorite thing to encourage people to do is find some natural light if you've got it, turn off your distractions, and just marvel over how cool this piece of the earth is. If it is a you know, gem quality kind of thing and you can see inside it, hold it up to the light and watch the way light behaves traveling through it. If it's full of veils and inclusions and, and other things on the interior, then you know, try to map that out with your mind's eye as you turn it every which way in the light, um, feel the weight of it in your hand, um, get to know every angle and face if it's unpolished. Do, do whatever you can to engage all of your senses safely. Um, obviously, don't lick rocks. Some of them are very, very bad to ingest. But otherwise, use all your senses. And, and as you engage the conscious mind in this sort of sensory relationship with the stone, it makes space for the internal parts of you to enter into a deeper communion with the crystal. At, at the onset, you might not be aware of this. You might not be um, consciously aware of any sort of mystical event taking place. However, the more you engage with this, the more you're going to recognize what happens when you're holding this stone and how you can even be out in the world and just have it in your pocket or have a pendant around your neck. Um, or have it on your desk while you're at work, and it evokes that same presence, that same quality as when you take time to get to know it more intimately. And ultimately, what we can do is do more, um, we'll say, conscious kind of journeys within the crystal, or or more 
intentional kinds of breathing techniques that allow us to invoke or otherwise take in the energy of the crystal. And they're all very simple practices. I've got a handful of them laid out in Crystal Basics in um, Chapter 6, which is all about uh, crystal meditations. And then you can get more complicated as, as life goes on. You can uh, really get to know your stones and find ways to incorporate them in crystal grids and how to use them in layouts and making crystal elixirs and engage with them in other hands-on practices. But I always love coming back to the simple parts, just taking that stone into a quiet setting and getting to know it. Yeah, one of the cool things that you talked about in the book, uh, Crystal Basics, is, and I think this is probably maybe a more advanced or deeper type of meditation, but you talked about uh, actually journeying into the stone, and uh, I thought that sounded really cool. It is one of my favorite things to do when I've got um, a new stone. I, I start with the, the, the first level of just getting to know it in that sensory kind of way, and when, when it feels like the stone and I am warmed up to one another, um, I'll, I'll often do that kind of meditation of going within. And that was, that was a technique I learned in probably one of the first uh, Christian healing books that I read when I, when I had just a very small library. Um, there's one of the earliest books published in English on the topic. Uh, it was by a gentleman by the name of Dale Walker, and it's just called The Crystal Book. It's a tiny little thing. Um, but he's got this meditation where you go inside the stone and he repeats this kind of exercise time and time again throughout the book. And so it was one of those foundational practices for me that really helped inform my own relationship with the mineral kingdom. And there are still crystals that I, I journey inside even after you know, 25 years and still have remarkably similar experiences within those crystals. Yeah, I thought that sounded really interesting. I'd never, I'd never heard that before. And uh, as I was reading about that, no, I haven't done that yet. But I thought, man, that that sounds like that would be a really interesting um, meditation to do. Now, something I want to jump back to because I uh, have been really d diving into um, uh, the coherence issue. And on, I've got it highlighted here in your book. It says. Um, uh, coherence is the single most important feature of working with crystal energy. So would you mind for everybody involved here giving a like a kind of your brief definition of what coherence is? Sure. So coherence is defined as a state wherein all the, the, the parts of something are perfectly synchronized, aligned, or marching in step. So in if we use light as an example of that, polarized light is light that has been made more coherent. All of the north and south and east and west poles of the little packets or, or bits of, of light energy called photons have been aligned. They're, they're moving in sync. Um, if we are listening to music that is coherent, that means that everyone is has tuned their instruments to the same standard of pitch. Mm. So no one is, is, you know, like nails on a chalkboard out of sync with the rest of the ensemble. In, um, you know, other examples, uh, a laser is a form of light that has been made super coherent, has been amplified and cohered um, to a very high degree. So coherent states are, are the, the reason that crystals are so effective because um, coherent energy fields, which naturally are derived from coherent substances, um, 
essentially travel farther or can be heard from farther away, if we use the, the music example again, um, because they're so orderly and organized, they sort of cut through the white noise, the chaotic, incoherent energies around them um, to a much greater extent. So the human energy field is, at least to one level or another, quite incoherent. It's made to be because we have all those different parts of us doing different things. And when we draw the, the energy of the stone toward us, when we hold it or carry it or meditate with it, we are making space to learn how to become more coherent ourselves based on the template, the blueprint offered by the stone. So coherence is essentially the reason crystals do anything at all. And most of the other things, most of the other um, sort of fundamental properties that crystalline substances have are a result of being so ordered and organized physically, but also from being so coherent energetically. Yeah, so I'm interested in this because I think that so many people, as they go through their lives, you know, um, life is so difficult and so at times caustic and especially right now you know there's so much discord really in the in the especially in the states but all in the in the, in the world but you can have conflict on your job or in your relationship and that creates conflict internally which i think manifests as all kinds of sickness and you know we can be very dis i i guess uh we can just have a lot of conflict within and and that makes the internal energy i think a little bit chaotic so through meditation and the use of crystals we can sort of realign that energy which also realigns us with the energy fields that are around us is that kind of what we're talking about and if so what does that do for our state of mind and our emotional well-being yeah i think that's that's definitely one way of looking at it the the bottom line is when when we are more coherent in any sense whether that is uh, on a you know, electromagnetic scheme or on a psycho-spiritual scheme, mm -hmm. it brings about a, a state in which the body can rest, repair, and heal itself, but also a space where we have um, the pathway for direct communion with source or the universe or whatever it is that, that we are uh, trying to attain in a spiritual sense. Um, there are a lot of um, medical studies out there that are, are showing how... Um, heart and brain coherence is really seminal to the body's ability to repair itself. Um, I have a colleague in the Reiki field who's um, worked a lot with Reiki in the medical sense and, and shown these states of coherence that are achieved through um, hands-on healing, through um, gasho meditation and, and other things that we do in, in a Reiki practice. But you know, a lot of those same benefits I think can be gained through any authentic spiritual practice, anything that really puts us in the right space. Uh, a crystal is not a magic bullet that fixes all of the problems in our lives, but it is a tool that makes the work easier to do on an internal level. So the, the end result might look a little bit different for each of us because we have different baggage we're carrying, different goals that we're working on, different um, opportunities to heal. Um, but fundamentally, I think the, the end result is, is greater peace how that piece manifests and what we do with that piece is really up to us. Yeah. Uh, it's interesting, though, because so much of our stresses um, and conflicts internally, you know, even within our own mind or um, our emotions or our spirituality, I think that those can 
uh, create physical illnesses. And, and so uh, anytime or anything that we can do to create harmony with those aspects, the mind, the emotions, and the spirit, is only going to, I think, produce, you know, greater benefit and, and well-being in our in our body and in, you know, the way that we view the world. I know for quite a while I was pretty down on existence, you know, just, just, there's just so much contention from day to day, whether it's on the job or on the news, you know, those kinds of things. And um, meditation and even some of the ideas found within Buddhism, I found to be very uh, therapeutic for me. So we talk a lot about crystal healing. Can, can we talk about how that might look in somebody's life? Sure. You know, the the simplest way it might look is through those examples we've given so far where it might be quietly contemplating or meditating with a crystal. It might manifest as taking a few moments to cleanse and program or kind of um, coordinate the instructions you'd like with that stone before you wear it as jewelry and go out into the world. It might look like um, energizing your water with crystals in a a safe and sound method. You don't want to contaminate your drinking water with stones that are toxic, um, but there are indirect methods you can use, and you know, when in doubt, leave it out of the water. Um, it might look like creating crystal grids, these sort of geometric arrays and mandalas of stones to manifest a particular outcome. It might even be laying on of stones, placing stones directly on the body and around the body to achieve results. I think the beautiful thing about this practice um, is that it is old. It is very, very old. There is archaeological evidence that suggests that um, humans have collected and used crystals for some purpose um, for upwards of half a million years. So this is like pre-homo sapiens we're talking. Um, what the nature of that relationship was like 450,000 years ago, I, I, can't, I, I can't even pretend to know, but crystals, quartz crystals in particular, have been so significant that people have gone far out of their way to get them, trade them, and carry them. And every culture, every epoch, every era um, has had their own way of working with stones. So there really isn't a wrong way to go about this so long as it is evoking that state of peace and it is helping you do the work. If, if you find a stone that is not helping you do the work, move on, find another one. I think those stones that evoke um, the, the more uncomfortable qualities are wonderful healers and teachers and have a lot of opportunity for us, but that doesn't mean we have to rush out and, and work with only them. Mm. So, you know, start with the feel-good stones and find a way that works for your lifestyle. That's really the important thing. I, I can't tell you how you must work with crystals because what works for me might not work for you. And if you don't enjoy the process, you're, you're probably not so inclined to keep doing the work. Yeah, that's really good. You know, I, I have some large, larger stones um, that you couldn't carry with you. But then I have a, you know, obviously a plethora of like the tumble stones. And this may sound a little silly, but I, you know, at the before I leave the house each day, I, I just kind of look at that pile and say, okay, so who wants to go with me today? You know, <laughs> and I, I, I really feel like that uh, one of them will, you know, kind of kind of speak out to me like you know I, I'm the one that that needs to be with you today you know I just throw it in my pocket and um, 
Yeah, I, I mean, I kind of approach it. It's, it might maybe a little simplistic or, or, or uh, elementary, but it really does seem to be a practice that 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 works quite well for me. I love that, and I I do something pretty similar and have for a long time. Um, I don't have one space where all my rocks are, but um, if if I'm passing by some of them as I get ready to go about my day, I do try to tune in, and whether it's you know choosing a bracelet or a necklace or choosing something to go in my pocket. Uh, I, I try to be as open-minded and intentional as I can be. And sometimes the intention is purely to listen and, and allow them to speak up and volunteer. Other times it's really me going, okay, here's what I've got going on in my life. What is the best fit for this? Or mm. what am I working on today? Or what can I bring to my job today? Um, and and allow allow it to be kind of co-creative. It's a little bit of, of my head trying to, we'll say, maybe not diagnose, that's not a great word here, but um, interpret which, which crystal has the, the best resume for that job. But it still requires me to get a little bit out of my headspace, at least a little bit, if not more, um, and make room for feeling out what feels right. And... Um, it's real easy to be prescriptive and say, well, you know, Nicholas writes in this book that we need to carry this crystal to have this result, but um, I'm not getting that result. It's because it's more complex than that. Um, we, we have so many factors going on, so feel it out, trust your instincts, and I think your practice, simple though it may sound, is a very powerful one. Mm, yeah, thank you. You know, one of the things I, I've done with it as well, and you know, I can't say that this is a good practice or a bad practice, and so I'm not recommending it, but one of the things I've, I have done as well is lay a, a, a healthy amount of stones in front of me, find the one that really speaks to me, and then go look at the properties of that stone or what it may be used for and use that as a bit of self-analysis. You know what I mean? Because I think so many times we have things going on in our, in our hearts and minds that maybe we're, we're not quite aware of. I know, I know tarot has been really effective as well for me with that regard, but I'll grab that stone. I'll say, okay, well, let's see if, if this speaks to me, if I have some imbalances going on in this particular area. And I, I found that to be kind of helpful work with crystals as well. Oh, it really is. And I think the, the body's innate wisdom, the heart, mind's innate wisdom, the, intuitive faculties that we're all endowed with, whether or not we trust them or listen to them on a regular basis is another conversation. But when we allow those to take the lead, we are almost invariably drawn to the stones that will do the most relevant work for us. And I see this happen um, every single week without fail. Uh, I, I work in a large metaphysical shop in, in my area and you know, when you get people to stop relying on the external tool, to stop using the, the list they see in blog posts and, and stop reading the, the placards on the stones and the baskets and just say, okay, what is speaking to you right now? What it feels irresistible? Then let's talk about what it does. And, and I mean, you see the light bulb go off pretty much every time. They're like, I know why I was drawn to this now. Um, and it's just amazing when, when we learn to trust ourselves. That is so good, man. I, you know, one of the hardest things for me in this journey has been intuition and and trusting my own heart. You know, um, because in the and I'm not trying to demonize the entire religion, and I still consider myself a Christian, just not um, a, a lot of Christians would would not consider me one. But th there was so much condemnation uh, of the self. 
And so it was hard for me for a long time to listen to that voice. But man, that that's critical, I think. That's an important practice to begin to trust that inner knowing. Don't you think that's, that's critically important? It is. Um, I think when we can make space to listen to that quiet voice inside us, we make space for miracles to happen in our lives. It's hard, if, especially I think if you've had a religious background that's critical or a parent or a, a, a peer, perhaps, um, or, or just your own self-worth, it can be difficult to dive in and, and really begin to trust that the divine within us. It, that's a tough practice. So I'm curious, um, you've been teaching about crystals for 20 years or more. What are some of the common maybe misconceptions that that you found need to be addressed? Oh, this could be a long list, but we'll start with, <laughs> we'll start with a couple simple ones. Um, you know, one that I think I, I work on a little bit every day is that um, when it comes to cleansing our crystals, all of our stones need to be cleansed, and we probably all could stand to do it more often than we already are. Uh, I... I think when we talk about in terms of like certain crystals never need cleansing or clearing or they're self-cleansing, um, in, in a sense, all stones are self-cleansing. All crystals never need to be cleansed or cleared. But we have to remember that their life cycles and their energy metabolisms aren't comparable to those of biological systems. You know, I can, I can rid my body of an illness over time, sometimes with a little outside help, in a matter of days or weeks, or whatever it might be, depending on, on the nature of, of the bug I've got. Um, if a stone is trying to rid itself of, of an energy that doesn't serve it, it's going to take place on a geological time scale, and that's a very, very slow process. Mm-hmm. So fundamentally, we, we can all stand to cleanse our crystals better. I think there's a, a, a strong reliance on passive tools right now, things like using selenite to, to cleanse our stones, and it's like using a sponge to wash your dishes. If you don't wash the sponge, you cease to have clean dishes. So even your selenite needs to be cleansed and cleared probably quite frequently, depending on the variety that you've got of it, too. Um, another misconception is this idea of charging your stones. Um, we, we seldom really require to charge a crystal in the sense that most people use that term. And what we really need to do is cleanse them instead. Um, originally, the idea of charging a crystal or charging any ritual object wasn't imbuing it with energy or, or filling it up like we charge our cell phone batteries. This is a relatively modern idea, and it's a result of our technological age. The word to charge, as it related to, to gems, originally meant to like charge with a task, to give it... Um, a mission, so to speak. So that is synonymous with what some people might call programming their stones. I think that is a really important and critical part of the process for many people um, because it helps us clarify our intention, clarify our purpose, and enter into conscious relationship with the stone with that mission in mind. I think programming crystals or charging them for a, a purpose has as much, if not more, to do with programming ourselves than it does the stones. Um, I, have, I have witnessed people go through the process of, of meticulously cleansing and programming a crystal, leaving the crystal at home, forgetting to have it with them, and still reaping the rewards because they mm. did the inner work to make that happen. And in some way, 
crystals do work non-locally. They do work through that process of quantum entanglement. So even across distance, if you entered into that conscious relationship, it's still going to have some influence over you. Um, so those are those are two big misconceptions. We could, we could spend an hour or two talking about others. Yeah. <laughs> um, but those those I think are are some small ones that really improve our practice by leaps and bounds. Yeah, that is cool. That is that is really good advice. Yeah, I find that to be really interesting. Um, so before I let you go, um, I, I would like to just ask for people that are just kind of beginning, you know, people that are just now diving into this, this is the first time. First of all, to those of you, I would suggest the Crystal Basics book uh, by Nicholas Pearson. It, it is an amazing book and there's so much energy or and, and uh, I think spirituality and information in this book I, it's it's absolutely absolutely brilliant work. But what are some what are some beginner moves that somebody could do to begin this process of working with crystals? Um, make a regular practice is number one. Um, start with the stones that you've got. If if all you've got is a collection of rocks from the seashore or from the the parking lot that you picked up, get to know those stones. Um, Make make a visit to your local metaphysical store if it is safe and wise to do so. I know currently we're in the era of COVID. Um, if not, go online and, and see what speaks to you. Do your best to buy from reputable sources. If you can, buy ethically sourced stones. That's a big conversation people are having now. Learn, learn about the market. Learn how things are um, brought to the market. And also, you know, kind, of, kind of selfishly, learn some mineral science because it will help you make better informed decisions. Um, I, I have a mineral science background. I have a love for geology and mineralogy, so I kind of infuse my work with that. Um, but you, you can do yourself a, a great service by learning like the makeup of stones. You're going to find patterns there, and you're going to have some great aha moments because of it. And otherwise, show up for your work with your stones, whatever that's going to look like for you, whether that's regular meditation, whether that is um, wearing them as jewelry or you know, putting them under the pillow at night, but do it intentionally. It's very easy to slip on a ring, go about your whole day, never give it a second thought, and, and not really be in conscious relationship with your stone. The real magic happens when we are conscientious about how we use them and intentional about every step of the process. Very good. Yeah. So your website is theluminouspearl.com. Um, I found, I think most of your books are probably available on Amazon. Is that the best place to, uh, to grab those? Uh, absolutely. You can find them on Amazon. You can go to places like bookshop.org and IndieBound. Yeah, support your local bookstore, especially in, in today's era. We want to keep them alive. So if you've got a, a local indie bookshop or metaphysical store in your area, if they don't already carry my books, I'm sure they're happy to order them for you. Um, you can order direct from my publisher as well at innertraditions.com. So what, whatever works for you and your lifestyle, there's there's a way to get your hands on my books. Okay, and then other ways to um, connect with you is going to be what, Instagram, Facebook, things like that? Absolutely. Um, in most cases, you're going to find me as The Luminous Pearl. Uh, so on Instagram, at The Luminous Pearl, Facebook.com slash The Luminous Pearl. Feel free to reach out, send a message. 
Um, I, I, I work a full-time job. I have two other manuscripts in progress, and then I, I teach and do other things. So sometimes I'm a little slow at writing back, but uh, I do love hearing from everyone. I love learning about your experiences with crystals. I love sharing ways to, to help enrich those experiences, too. Great. Hey, Nicholas, thank you so much for being on the podcast, man. I really appreciate it. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thank you so much for having me on. Yeah, I'd love to have you uh, back on again soon, and and, uh, we can talk a little bit about that. So hang on the line for just a second. I'm going to close this out, and then I'm going to come back and talk to you just for a brief moment. Sure. Okay. All right, everybody. Thanks for tuning in. I'll catch you on the other side of the uh, interview. All right, guys. Hey, man, I hope you really enjoyed that conversation with Nicholas Pearson. Um, I was really happy to bring it to you. I, I really do think the practice of crystals is an incredibly powerful one and one that should be explored. I own a bunch of crystals. Um, I, I do not work with them truly like I probably should or haven't experimented with them like I probably should. Uh, I, I don't know why I keep purchasing them. <laughs> But um, anyway, uh, but I do think there's a powerful, a potential for power there. And I think it's an expansive practice as well. So I really want to encourage you to dive in, man, and um, catch up with Nicholas on uh, Instagram. You can find him at theluminouspearl.com. All of his books are available on Amazon. Um, just you know, go to Amazon, type in Nicholas Pearson, and um, and he pops right up. Uh, yeah, I think that's it, man. Hopefully, you guys dug the podcast. I absolutely loved bringing it to you once again. Please connect with me, Facebook, Instagram. I'm even on Twitter, but that's pretty rare. But Facebook and Instagram, I'm always there, man. You have a question, comment, a suggestion about a guest. Um, I got I got a uh, private message. I don't know a month or so or so ago, um, someone was suggesting a particular individual to have as a guest. I made contact with said person and had her on the podcast. So I do read the the, the messages. I do care about what you think and and who you suggest. So yeah, man, get involved, guys. Right. So I will uh, catch you next week. Blessings done. <laughs>